Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to episode 194 of Real Life Ghost Stories. And to kick things off this week, I want to thank some of our newest Patreon subscribers. I would like to thank Sam Gardner, Azalea Azuna, Gideon Nob, Jack Cali, Sarah Thew, Mary, MC Matz, Diego Silva, Kerry Joy Jones, Diana Sophie, Elizabeth Jones, Linda McIntyre, Joe Evans, Jessica Chalice, Kelsey Guinness, Mike Williams, Jen Garrett, Amber Sampson, Catherine Cambron, Jodie Udy, Sue Pollard, Hallie England, Jenny Walton, and Jenny and Tom. Now that is Patreon up to date up until the 7th of April 2023. So if you signed up for Patreon before the 7th of April 2023 and you are up to date with the episodes and you have not yet heard your name, please do let me know because every so often I will skip one by accident or one gets lost in transit. So please just drop me an email or send me a message on Patreon to let me know if I've skipped your name accidentally. And as always, thank you to everybody for subscribing to the Patreon. I love you and appreciate you very, very much. And our film review this week. Our film review is X. X was released in 2022. It has 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb and 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. In 1979, a group of young filmmakers set out to make an adult film in rural Texas. But when their reclusive elderly hosts catch them in the act, the cast find themselves fighting for their lives. So as always with these film reviews, I'm going to do the likes and dislikes. So firstly, my likes... I loved the way this film looked. So the costuming and the makeup was just stunning. I love a bit of 1970s slash 1980s style anyway. I think it is very cool and it always looks really good on screen. I loved like the setup and the conversations around sex and love and relationships and the conversations around the porn industry were actually interesting. Like, and they were genuinely good nuanced conversations about the porn industry and about kind of ideas towards sex at the time and what I think it captured really well is sort of the dichotomy at the time in 1970s America and probably like elsewhere in the world of these younger people who were all about kind of free love and being sex positive and being having a sexual freedom and then maybe different generations like older generations who had a more kind of traditional view towards sex and relationships and how those two worlds collided and actually it's kind of hard to have that conversation 
And actually, even in the modern world, it's hard to have that conversation. Those bits of the film I watched with great interest, to be honest. And I thought, good on you, because I think a lot of thought went into the script. It's not just a film about making a porno and everybody getting murdered. Like there, I think there was a bit of thought put into the actions of the characters and the conversations that they had with each other. And I appreciated that. The film stars uh, Jenna Ortega, who is really becoming a scream queen, which I, good for her. She's great. I think she's a really good actor. And Mia Goth is in this film and she is stunning. Do I fancy her or do I want to be her? I'm I'm not entirely sure. I don't know. If anyone follows me on TikTok, you'll see that I made a video about this the other day and I'm just going to be saying the same jokes again. So follow me on TikTok to get the same jokes, but, you know, condensed into a three minute format. She is really, really great in this film. And the film itself, in terms of where it's shot and how it's shot, is really beautiful. And I'm not a film buff, like I'm not a, I'm not anybody who has ever studied film or has any knowledge of film in that way. But I really appreciated how it looked. The shots of rural Texas are amazing, although I think it was shot in New Zealand. And there's this amazing scene where Mia Goth is swimming in like a pond that's on the property. And it's this really stunning overhead shot. Something happens. I'm not going to tell you what because I don't want to post any spoilers here. But I just thought the visuals of the Texas countryside. Oh, chef's kiss. Well done. And the film itself is sort of cut between the shooting of the porn film and the film itself. So the shooting of the porn film and the action of the of the world that the film is in are side by side on the screen at times. And it's very cleverly done. And again, not a film person, so I don't know what you would call that or I don't know the kind of technical terms for that, but I thought it was just visually very cool. It's easy to think in this film as well that you're going to walk away thinking the older people are the bad guys, but I don't really know if it's really that clear cut. Now, I'm not saying going around killing people is acceptable, okay? I'm not I'm not saying that, but... The film makes some very interesting points about growing old and about the loss of youth and how difficult that must be for older people and how the loss of virility and the loss of your sexuality. Like it was genuinely really sad at times watching this old couple grapple with all of those things. And kind of corresponding with that, um, I'm going to talk about dislikes now. But off the back of that point, there there are genuine what the fuck moments in this film, right? That I thought, fair play, a lot of them were very clever. But I don't know if old people or older people having sex should be cheapened to some sort of like laugh or shock moment. I didn't really get what point that was trying to make or I just thought it was a bit cheap, to be honest. I didn't really like it. And I'm not entirely sure why I keep doing this to myself. Why do I keep watching films like this? Films that I know that I'm not going to like. I just, I don't think I really truly understood what X was going to be about. First of all, I don't like watching people having sex on screen, okay? I find it very uncomfortable. It's not my vibe. And I watched a slasher film about a load of young people making a porno. What did I think was going to happen? A slasher film as well. I don't like slasher films. I don't like watching gore on screen, you know? If gore is your bag, then have at it. This film has gore in spadefuls. I actually don't even know if that is the term. Is that the term that, is that even a phrase? I don't know. But it's got lots of gore is what I'm trying to say. 
it is difficult to know why I have done this to myself repeatedly and watched these gory films like some sort of self-flagellation. I don't know. If slashers are your thing, particularly harking back to slashers like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you are going to enjoy this. It is a good film fundamentally and it sets up some really great characters and there are some pretty outrageous deaths within the film and it takes some age-old tropes from slasher films and works with them in a very clever and I think refreshing kind of way. When I was watching this film I decided to look up some IMDB user reviews and I've picked out two that were my very favourite IMDB user reviews of this film. Uh, First of all and I quote Probably my least favourite from the A24 films. The film is made in the cinematography style of classic 1970s slasher films, but it holds back on the brutality with the females. I really wished A24 was above PC culture. True 70s slasher slash horror films were very brutal with both genders, but not this one. Now, I just have to say, as somebody who was watching that film at the time, I can assure you there was brutality shown to both genders. And I and I realised while watching it that what this reviewer actually meant was that women do not get stabbed in this film. But fear not, I assure you, there is gender neutral brutality in this film. And the second quote from a from a user review is for a movie about making a porno, there were adequate number of boobs shown. We all know that the number of boobs is very important in any film that you are watching. And I would agree that it was an adequate number of boobs shown in this film. As I said on TikTok, I believe it was four boobs that were shown in this film. So if you want a film that is gender neutrally brutal and shows four boobs, then this film is for you. Was I crazy about this movie? Absolutely not. Could I see why people really enjoyed it? Yes, I can. For that reason, because I can see the appeal in it and I can see that it's a well-made movie, I'm going to give it four stars. Also because when I finished watching it, I actually realised that I desperately want to see Pearl, which is the prequel to the movie that was made after the movie. And I want to see it. So that's four stars for X. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So ordinarily, I don't really talk about my personal life on the main episodes because I tend to save it for Patreon, if at all. But in the interest of transparency, I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it. I'm just gonna lay it out there. So I am taking 
a break from the podcast. Now, rest assured, there will still be loads of content coming your way. I have pre-recorded three mini episodes a week until the, I think it's Sunday the 14th of May is when I predict that I will be back. Hopefully I will be back at that point. You might have noticed that I think it was two weeks ago I kind of quite suddenly didn't release a main episode and that was because I've actually been quite unwell. So you know you might remember that I've said a number of times that I suffer from migraines and I've had a particularly bad migraine flare-up for the last month or so which has severely impacted me on a day-to-day basis and I think it was kind of a little bit cyclical I think that I've burnt myself out and as a result of that my body was less able to manage and therefore I had a migraine flare-up which has resulted in me becoming more exhausted and more migraines and then more exhausted and it's just been going around and round in circles. It has also meant that I am very, very medicated at the moment and I am on a number of different medications to try and manage the symptoms of these migraines. And the result of that is that I am lacking a huge amount of concentration and very sleepy a lot of the time. This has been really, really difficult to manage if you are a migraine sufferer you will understand exactly what I mean when I talk about how difficult it is to manage chronic migraines. And it has meant that I haven't been able to do main episodes in particular in the way that I normally would and in the way that I like to do them. So I've decided that I am going to take a break from doing main episodes for the next month or so. Like I said, I've pre-recorded three mini episodes a week. They're all done and ready to go. And I am also going away for a while and I am going away specifically to make some content, which is very exciting, but I can't say any more about it just yet. And I think it's important to note as well that I've been doing this sort of solidly without a break. I mean, the only break I took was when was when Dan died and I've been doing this for four years (laughs) without taking any breaks and sort of churning out, you know, four episodes a week. It it's it's a lot and I think I've finally reached a wall and a point where I need to take a step back and take a bit of a break. And I also think that unfortunately my body has recognised that before my brain has and my body has gone, no, I'm going to make you ill so you have no choice but to step back. So I will be back on the 14th of May, I think it was that I said, on Sunday the 14th of May with a main episode as per usual. And like I said, there will be content every Wednesday, Friday and Sunday as per usual and there will be Patreon episodes on a Monday as per usual but all of those have been pre-recorded. Today's episode is also going to be a mini episode purely because like I said I haven't been able to get my brain into action it just hasn't been happening and just to say a massive thank you to everybody who has continued to support the podcast, the new people who have just joined everybody who has been here for the long haul, people who dip in and out, whatever it is, however it is that you consume the content, I really appreciate it. It's been a long and tricky journey and sometimes it's easier than others and this is just one of those times when it is harder than others. Thank you all for your continued patience and support and I'm excited to bring you some new content on the 14th of May. So let's crack into some stories. And story number one comes from Jazz. My dad and I always spoke about spirits and our understanding of life and death. His theory was based on the fact that we are all energy and that never truly dies. 
We would hold our palms near each other and he would explain that even though they were not touching, our bodies knew they were there. At the start of the COVID pandemic, my dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer of the lungs and was only given a life expectancy of a year. He took every treatment they could throw at him, but developed sepsis and my hero was taken away from me. That night when I finally managed to fall asleep, I had the most vivid dream. I was in our kitchen. I looked over at the sink and there was my dad filling up the kettle. He looked healthy. He was wearing his favourite blue checked jacket that I still have today and he was smiling. I was fully aware that my dad was no longer with us. But instead of feeling the immense sadness I felt when I was awake, I felt calm and at peace. I asked him if he was alright. Yes, chick, he said, better up here than I was down there. I woke up missing him, but I am so happy he came to see me to tell me he was okay. In December 2022 and our first Christmas without him, my mum sat me down and broke the news that she had been diagnosed with breast cancer. Our family was shattered and terrified of the future. The next few months were a blur of talking to consultants who were happy that they had caught it early. So early, in fact, that they had to send micro-seeds in to attach to the cancer before they could find what to remove. It turns out that my mum had a dream where my dad had come to speak to her before her diagnosis. In the dream, she was complaining, as she believed that she had cysts in her breast and that they were causing pain something she had been suffering with for a few weeks. My dad apparently spoke to her and told her, you best get them checked out, babe, which made her book the appointment the next day. My mum has been cancer-free for two years now, and although I miss my dad every day, I am very grateful that he is still around looking out for us. It sounds like he absolutely is still around looking after you guys. I cannot believe that your mom had that dream and he said to her, go get it checked out. And I just think there is such a great power in dreams. We don't really understand how they work. Who are we to say that our loved ones can't come back when we're kind of are vulnerable and our guard is down and we're not going to try and explain it away? When we're awake, we're more inclined to disbelieve things but when we're asleep we accept things as they are because dreams are weird and wonderful and wacky and in those dreams maybe that's the time when our loved ones can come in and say hey I'm okay I'm looking out for you or hey that thing is a worry maybe you should get it checked out and while I'm really sorry Jazz that you went through all of that with your dad and losing your dad and then had the fear of your mom having cancer as well I'm also very glad that you have been able to see your dad in your dream and that he was able to tell you that he was okay and that your mom is now cancer free and has been for the last two years. And story number two comes from Kelly. A girl I was roomies with in college had kindly stored my leftover furniture in her family's old mill grain barn. This was in the state of Maryland on a property that saw Civil War soldiers going off to war and had a hidden cellar in the middle of the dining room that was rumoured to have been part of the Underground Railroad. The family had turned it into a bed and breakfast and it was a beautiful property set in the countryside, flanked by bow-colic farms of grazing cattle and apple orchards. When my dad pulled up to load the furniture into our SUV, my friend and her family were on a trip, but she had told me I just have to pull apart the old steel sliding doors in the loading barn and the furniture would be right inside. 
My dad waited in the car as my mom and I stepped up onto the concrete platform where two huge corrugated metal doors stood. After much scraping and grinding that shook the entire building and with a screeching noise that could have woken the dead, we were able to slide the doors open. We looked around, gently lifting up dust covers and finding old furniture that looked right out of an old-timey antique store. While we searched for my few bits of cheap but beloved IKEA furniture, I started to hear those old steel doors shake violently as if someone was shoving their entire weight against them. These doors were big and heavy and did not move easily. My mother has no recollection of this, but I remember looking at those tall doors banging back and forth in their rollers thinking about how strange it was. There was absolutely no wind outside, nothing to have caused it. It felt eerie and off, but it was a beautiful, bright, warm, sunny day. We soon found my furniture and I forgot about the doors. We quickly loaded everything into the car and pulled the doors shut. My dad made no comment on the doors banging, which I felt was odd since I could still hear the ringing from it in my ears. As we were hopping into the car, I suddenly realised how badly I needed to pee. We were in the rural countryside and the closest place was likely miles away in town and I really had to go. I said, Dad, just wait a sec, and I hopped out of the car and ran behind it. There was no one around and I thought I'll just have a quick wee. As I squatted in the grass, feeling a little silly and exposed but not having much choice, a man's voice said right at my ear, Get out! It was a biting, clear tone of voice and there was no mistaking the anger dripping from it. Even now the recollection gives me goosebumps. If I wasn't already having a pee, I would have done so out of pure terror. I yanked my shorts back up and flew into the car slamming the door. My dad drove off and I couldn't even speak for the longest time. I just kept playing those two words over and over in my head in utter disbelief mixed with fear and definitely some embarrassment that I had apparently just flashed a ghost. To this day, my mom doesn't remember those doors shaking. I've since learned from my friend that her house was definitely haunted, and although the family never had anything happen, lots of their guests had. It's my guess that the ghost felt we shouldn't have been there and was probably just trying to protect the property. It must have looked like we were stealing stuff from the barn and then having a squat as an added insult while the people who lived there were away. I honestly don't blame it for yelling at me, and to this day I can't tell my friends and family the whole story out of sheer embarrassment, but complete strangers who I will never meet is totally fine. I've had a few more odd happenings in my life, including having my name called clearly down the hallway by my husband while I was reading stories to one of our daughters. It was odd as he never says my full name like that, but it was clearly his voice. I was about to just ignore it, thinking and definitely hoping that I just misheard it, when my little three-year-old daughter said to me, Mom, wasn't that Daddy? The hair rose on my arms and I went over to my eldest daughter's room, where he was reading her stories and said, Steve, did you just call for me? No, he said, looking at me strangely. I asked him if he had heard anything and he said no. And this time, my eldest daughter followed with, Mommy, what is it? clearly annoyed that I was taking away her story time. My husband gave me a quizzical look, but I just shook my head and said it was nothing, not wanting to give my kiddo nightmares for a month, and climbed back in with my three-year-old, who promptly said, Was it daddy? I told her it was okay, thinking that this was the safest thing to say, 
I got her to bed and proceeded to spend the next hour cleansing the entire house. We have never had anything happen since and to this day our home feels calm and peaceful. So the first part, I kind of get, right? If it is an old property that was part of the Civil War and there was a hidden cellar and who knows what happened in that hidden cellar, I get it. I get that the ghosts would be like, hang on, why are you in robbing stuff out of our barn? You're not the normal people who live here, whatever it is. I also partly understand that when you stopped to go for a wee, the ghost saying in your ear to get out, kind of get it. And it's also probably one of the most vulnerable positions you can be in. I think especially as a woman, because you have to like put your pull your trousers down, squat down. You know, oh, it's just embarrassing being being caught having a wee. Like it's just embarrassing. And there's nothing really you can do. You just have to finish your wee, you know, and you're stuck there with the ghost voice in your ear and the ghost seeing your vagina. That's not what anybody signed up for in this furniture getting excursion. And I don't blame you that it still gives you goosebumps because it sounds absolutely terrifying. But I guess, you know, it kind of validates your story because you find out afterwards that the property is definitely haunted and that actually guests on the property are were more likely to experience things than the family themselves. Probably because whatever was haunting the property just accepted the family as permanent residents. And as for the voice calling you down the corridor... Like the fact that your three-year-old heard it as well, that makes it way, way worse. Because you could just convince yourself, oh, I was mishearing things. He was doing a silly voice when he was, you know, reading reading the story or added my name into the story to entertain the little one. Whatever it was, you'd convince yourself that it was something else or that you'd misheard it. But when the three year old hears it as well, that takes a little bit more convincing. And I don't understand what it is that causes this. I've said it time and time again, the doppelganger stuff or the mimicking of people's voices, like it happens so often in these stories. Like, is it an energy thing? Is it a time thing? Is it like a glitch in the matrix thing? Like, what is it that causes this? Why does it happen? What does it want? What is the reason for it? I don't know, but I know I don't like it. And story number three comes from Rebecca from the Creepy Wee podcast. In 2016, I had just turned 18 and a group of girls from my work and I decided to all chip in and get a cabin in the Highlands together for a wee weekend away. My friends drove into the nearest town while another friend and I stayed in bed, too hungover to move. Amy, a close childhood friend turned colleague, was driving when her car brakes failed on one of the tight bendy roads just a minute away from the cabin. We lost Amy that day and I've thought about her every day since. I'm 25 now and I often think about how the night before she died, Amy had asked me what song I would have played at my funeral. This was a pretty normal question at the time and I said a Fleetwood Mac song, our shared favourite band. Then she begged me to guess hers and I said, Songbird, obviously. I was right. It was played at her funeral a couple of weeks later. I retold this story recently to our gang of childhood friends who I've gotten back in touch with. I commented that I thought Amy was psychic due to her vibe the night before the accident and her asking me about her funeral song. The night after telling that story to my friends, Amy visited me in a dream and despite me thinking she was psychic, I have only felt her presence a couple of times. In this dream, I was walking past the woods where we grew up and I felt someone come to walk by my side. I looked up and there she was. I told her I had missed her and asked her why she doesn't visit often. 
To be honest, I find this kind of thing really hard, she said. I held out my arm and told her to grab onto it and I felt her hand. She was surprised that she could feel me too. I told her, look, I know it's tough, but if you think hard and know that there's plenty of us down here who want to hear from you, you'll be able to do it. She smiled, said thanks and we walked together until I woke up. I think this was her way of telling me, look mate, I'm not psychic, stop picking me up to our friends. The next day, the Bluetooth adapter I use in my car to listen to music was playing up, so I turned on the radio to hear Fleetwood Mac's songbird playing. I smiled, thinking that Amy must have taken my advice. Losing a friend so young and in such tragic circumstances must have been absolutely horrendous. And in a way, I am glad for you and for her that you happened to have that conversation about funeral songs the night before so at least you could know that you were honouring her by playing Songbird at her funeral, you know? That you knew that it was the song that she would have wanted and the song that she loved. And again, visitation dreams are so important and I'm so glad she was able to come and reach out to you and be like, stop telling all of our friends that I was psychic, okay? And I know there's probably lots of sceptical people who will think it was just a coincidence, but really turning on the radio and hearing that specific song at that specific moment I don't know it seems like more than a coincidence to me and story number three comes from Sean in the early 1990s I worked as a technician for an electronics engineering manufacturing company who had their business in what had been a former children's hospital and school we occupied one large wing of the facility on the ground and basement levels When it had been the hospital school, our wing had contained the morgue, some offices, a gymnasium and sections that contained numerous rooms that likely made up some of the wards, many of which still had the wire-reinforced windows and thick, solid wooden doors. Several of the doors could only be opened from the outside. I was told by colleagues who assisted with renovating our space that much of the morgue equipment were still in place when they took up occupancy the autopsy table, surgical lighting, freezer units, etc. Much of the hospital equipment was abandoned or otherwise left in place when the facility was closed. Several employees there told me of strange happenings and apparitions of children they would see from time to time. One of the engineers who would often work late doing programming for control circuitry related to me a story about seeing one of those red, white and blue sponge rubber balls bouncing around in the hallway outside his office door on one occasion and when he went to investigate as you do after midnight when you're alone in the place he saw a little boy who scooped up the ball and then ran away right out through a locked wooden door that led out to the main foyer of the building the fellow apparently went back to his office packed up his laptop and went home and he refused to work alone late at night after that After I'd worked there for a year or so, our product manufacturing volume increased considerably and I would often find myself up against a deadline to get the items ready for shipment. I would sometimes need to stay into the early hours of the morning, testing, QCing and packaging the products for shipment. Alone. While the place was empty. When it was empty, it definitely had a creepy vibe. There were banks of overhead fluorescent lights that would buzz and flicker and create shadows where the light couldn't reach. 
The hot water heating from the boiler plant made the registers and pipes creak and groan and snap and hiss in the cold winter months. My test shop had been moved at least twice due to changing business needs, as the spaces would be repurposed to accommodate storage, installing a cargo elevator, etc. My shop eventually was relocated to one of the numerous rooms, complete with the wire-reinforced windows and heavy wooden door I mentioned earlier. It was not a huge space, perhaps 200 or 300 square feet, and normally kept at a comfortable 22 degrees or so in the winter. The space and the adjacent rooms would often get cold spots in them despite their thermostats being set to 72 degrees Fahrenheit. The heating system predated Canada's conversion to metric. The staff who worked across the hall in the large open room where the circuits boards were populated with components would complain of sudden temperature changes and often wore sweaters for this reason. We all just assumed there were issues with the heating plant that caused the temperature drops. While I'm not a sceptic of things paranormal, I hadn't experienced anything that I would consider paranormal until Christmas Eve 1992. I was working into the wee hours so that the shipment would be ready to go right after the Christmas break. I was doing QC testing on a batch of products when my shop suddenly fell cold enough to see your breath. I went over to the register and it was hot and the thermostat by the door was showing a steady 72 degrees Fahrenheit. Then things got really freaky. As I tried my best to ignore the cold, I started to hear what I would describe as wind or maybe a high-pitched growl. With it came an ominous presence or a sense of foreboding. It was circling around me. Then at one point there was, for lack of a better description, a loud roar in my left ear that sounded like LEAF! I was seriously freaked out, but the shipment had to be finished that night come hell or high water. Putting on a brave front, I turned and yelled angrily back to the room, No! You leave! You leave here and don't come back, whatever you are. I have work to do, and you need to leave this place. In that instant, as the temperature returned to normal, the sound disappeared. For added freakiness, some items that were on a shelf well behind me fell to the floor with a crash and the door to my shop slammed shut as if someone had angrily slammed it behind them as they left. Thankfully, it was one that did open from the inside. With legs shaking and the taste of adrenaline in my mouth, I opened the door, went into the hall, walked the short distance to the hallway near our admin offices, rounded the corner, went into the kitchen and made some coffee. I wasn't sure what the hell had just happened, or if what had just happened was even real, but I knew something very strange had just occurred. The temperature never dropped in any of the rooms again, or at least for the year or so until I left the company for another technical position. I completed my job that night, but didn't push my luck again and never worked past 8 or 9pm after. In the years since, I've been in that building again as there are several businesses located there, I've been told that there are still strange happenings and that people still see things they can't explain, whether it's because of the emotionally charged energy from the hospital's past or that a large cemetery is across the road. The source of the haunting is anyone's guess. In the mid-1990s, my now ex-wife and I rented a townhouse in an area of St. John's North End in New Brunswick. 
The red brick houses were built post-World War II to accommodate veterans and their families. The place was nice, it was well constructed, clean and well lit, with a small but functional kitchen, dining area and living room on the ground floor, and the two bedrooms and the bathroom on the second floor. We'd lived there for a few months when we began to smell lilac or lavender, I can't recall which, at different times of the day. This by itself wasn't unusual, as many long-time tenants had well-established flower gardens in the front of the rows of townhouses. The fragrance, though, seemed to move around the house, but was focused in the upstairs area, specifically in the larger master bedroom. It would waft in and out, and we soon realised that there was nothing we had, air fresheners, etc., in the house that smelled like that, and it would be present even when all the windows were shut. One Saturday morning, I had gone to the superintendent's townhouse to pay the rent, and I casually mentioned the floral smell and how it seemed to come and go. She glanced at the woman visiting her, and they seemed to know something I didn't. After asking them to tell me what they knew, she told me about Margaret, who used to live in our unit with her husband many years before. They had taken up residence there in the mid-1950s and lived there until the early 1990s. Margaret lived alone in the townhouse for several years after her husband's passing, and she had died in that house in her sleep. Margaret had a love of floral perfume, specifically lilac or lavender. It also seemed we weren't the only ones who smelled the same scent in the house either. Mostly all tenants mentioned it, but never found the source. I went back over and relayed what I had been told, and my ex-wife was all for having a seance to see if we could contact Margaret. I am not a fan of seances, Ouija boards, or anything else that might connect us to the netherworld. I vetoed the idea, but did go upstairs and spoke to Margaret aloud and told her that her husband was surely waiting for her and that she should go ahead and pass over to the other side to be with him. There was no need for her to stay with us. All was well and surely there were those who missed her in the afterlife. It must have worked as we never smelled the lavender lilac scent again after that. We lived there another year or so before moving elsewhere when the owner of the properties decided to offer them for sale to the current tenants. I wasn't interested in buying a townhouse that couldn't really be changed or renovated to any major degree due to the design. The neighbourhood is still the same, I drive by it every day on my way to work, and I often wonder if Margaret actually left, or if she just decided to leave us alone. My second wife and I bought our home in 2006 when our daughter was about one and a half years old. The house was built in 1985 and sits on a half-acre mature lot of land. We are the third or fourth owners as far as we know. It is a five-bedroom, two-level home of the split-entry style, so popular in the 1980s with three bedrooms, a full bathroom, kitchen, dining and living room on the upper level, and a family room, half-bath, two bedrooms that we use as offices, and workshop or laundry room on the lower level. When our daughter was about ten or so, we started noting strange things in the house. We would, out of our peripheral vision, occasionally see little white orbs and shadow people moving around. The closet in our daughter's room made her anxious, and she always felt there was something or someone watching her from there. When she would go to the shower, she would often feel she was being watched, or that there was a creepy presence nearby. She was understandably freaked out. One evening when both kids were in bed and sound asleep, 
Our second child was about five by then. My wife and I clearly heard footsteps upstairs and the coat closet storage bifold door open and close. We were in the family room downstairs watching TV or one of the streaming services. We knew it couldn't have been the cat, so we immediately went upstairs to check on the noise and on the kids and indeed they were both sound asleep in their rooms. Shortly after this, we invited a local paranormal investigative group to the house to have a look around. The orbs, shadow people and general creepiness had become a regular occurrence by this time. They came out and went through the house room by room and identified what they believed were two portal areas and two friendly presences. My wife's grandmother and one of mine, who favoured the family heirloom wooden rocking chair which would rock on its own from time to time. We were okay with them being around, but the other less friendly energies had to go. They spent quite a bit of time in the upstairs bathroom with a spirit box, and I was certain they were picking something up on it. At the end of it all, they did a cleansing in the house and demanded that all the presences leave and not return. Many homes in this part of the province have strange energies from time to time, given the likelihood that the land was once occupied by indigenous or what we refer to as First Nation peoples. Many subdivisions used fill from various places to backfill and level up building lots, and ours was no different. Much of this construction material came from areas where rock was blasted out in huge quantities to make way for highway expansion, etc. As the paranormal group explained to us, the houses aren't so much haunted, but some of the material that makes up the land where they sit once belonged to the First Nations people, and with it carry a certain energy. They have been displaced, it seems. In the summer of 2011, my in-laws visited from Russia. One afternoon, while sitting on our back deck enjoying a cigarette, my father-in-law saw what appeared to be a native or First Nations man in our backyard. I was away at work at the time, so my wife told me about this after the fact. Her father told her that he was looking at a man who was looking back at him from amongst the trees at the edge of the backyard. This would have only been perhaps 30 feet away. He described the man's clothing and the man's appearance, and only then did my wife give details to her parents of what traditional native clothing and how a person of that ancestry might appear. My wife couldn't see the man he was referring to, but her father pointed to the spot where the man stood. My father-in-law had no knowledge of indigenous people of this area or how they might have appeared until my wife told him, and there were no signs that anyone had been standing in that spot afterwards. Personally, I do not doubt what he saw, as he wasn't a man to play tricks or to tell stories. Our family is what I would consider to be average, dare I say normal. We don't go out of our way at all to explore the paranormal, but have had enough things happen to make us raise an eyebrow and think to ourselves, well that was interesting. My father died in March 2020, and my wife's father in July 2020, and my mother in September 2021 so one would think there would be ample opportunity for considerable paranormal activity in our lives. My father's death was very unexpected, and he was anxious about his credit card statement being paid when he died. I assured him that I would take care of it, but I wasn't able to do so for a day or two after his passing. The night after he died, I was staying with my mum in their house, and there was a loud crash or bang from his computer room in the basement. I investigated the noise but found nothing out of place or broken. I told him out loud that I would deal with the payment as promised and not to worry. I kept my word 
and the next day paid it off in full as he had wished. Our daughter, who is now 18, tells us that she often sees Grampy in visitation dreams and that they're always positive. She says that Dad doesn't speak to her as such, but she knows he's there and is comforted by that. She has visited the cemetery on her own recently and has told my parents that she's graduating this year, has a job, a boyfriend and drives my wife's car now and that life is good. Our son, who is now 12, also has dreams, but he doesn't often talk about them. He is less inclined to share on that topic, I guess. My wife and I don't really experience anything from my parents or her father. We miss them, of course, and think of them often. Their respective portraits are in a special place in our living room, so they're never far from our minds and our hearts. So, Sean, let's go all the way back to the early 1990s when you were working in that children's hospital slash school. Well, what was a children's hospital slash school because it wasn't when you were working there. I don't even know if I can think about the amount of strange and eerie energy that would be there. Imagine being that engineer, seeing the tennis ball bouncing out in the corridor and then watching a child scoop it up and then run straight through a wooden door. I would very calmly be packing my shit right up and saying, I'm not working. I'm not working at nighttime anymore. Absolutely not. I would feel very uncomfortable working somewhere like that at night time, working in those big open spaces, whether it's a school, whether it's a hospital, wherever it is at night time when it's quiet and dark is just fundamentally eerie. Never mind if you've got cold spots, things slamming around, a voice shouting leave in your ear, an ominous presence, you know, all that shit going on too. Not good. And I'm always completely startled at the dedication of people to their jobs. (laughs) That you're like, okay, this is terrifying, but I'm going to have to gather myself together, get a coffee and get this job done because I need to do this job before Christmas. There's no way. I'd be like, Christmas is over. I don't care if I'm working in Santa's workshop. All right. I don't care if I'm trying to get kids their Christmas presents. If I get an entity screaming in my ear while I'm trying to work on Christmas Eve, you best believe I'm, I'm shutting down shop. It's not happening. Christmas is over, kids. Not doing it. Contrary to that, your second story when you were living in the townhouse in New Brunswick. I absolutely adore the smell of lilac specifically. It is my favourite smell in the absolute world. I love it. It brings me so much joy. There's a certain time of year on the street that, on A Street that I used to live on in Canterbury and all of the gardens would have lilac bushes growing in them and I, <laughs> and I would sneak into people's gardens and trim off their lilac flowers. Actually, don't tell people I did that because that's a bit... All the gardeners out there are like, you absolute criminal. I uh, used to, yeah, take bits off their um, lilac trees and bring them home because the smell brings me so much joy. It reminds me of home. It reminds me of being out in the fields when I was a kid. I just love that smell so much. So Margaret would be sticking around my house. I I would not be getting her to leave because I would be like, Margaret, haunt me more if you're going to be making my house smell of lilac. Lavender, I also love the smell of. Not as much as I love the smell of lilac, but I do like the smell of lavender. I love the fact as well, Sean, that when things were getting weird in your house, where you had like shadow people, orbs, footsteps, things banging around, that you were like, okay, we're going to be proactive here and we're going to get a paranormal investigation team in. Totally, totally agree with it. Feel like I would probably do the same if I was experiencing weird things in the house and I finally was like well I don't really have an explanation for this I think I probably would get a paranormal investigation team in I mean I'd also love the content let's be fair 
And we've heard stories time and time again of rocks being disturbed, of trees being disturbed, of people digging up things they shouldn't dig up, of people using things to build their houses or to build certain items, whatever it is where you think maybe you shouldn't have done that. Maybe that particular rock, tree, whatever it is, piece of land was important to people of times gone by. And maybe actually we shouldn't just just dig up stuff willy-nilly and use it to build our houses. And Sean, it really sounds like your family went through a pretty horrible time over a pretty short space of time. And I'm really sorry that you all had to go through that. And I love that your dad was worried about his credit card bill being cleared, his credit card statement being paid when he died. That is such dad energy. It's also such me energy. That's that's <laughs> that's definitely something I'd be like, oh, I've got to make sure that that, that is paid when I go because I don't want anybody else to have to pay it. I, I really like that energy. And I'm, you know, it's lovely that your daughter is experiencing this and seeing Grampy in visitation dreams and that they're always positive. And, you know, I hope that your sons are positive too. I know you've said that he doesn't really want to talk about them. And maybe someday he will. Maybe someday he'll be able to talk about them. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you for your kindness and your patience. Um, I know that when I said a couple of weeks ago, oh, I'm not releasing an episode, all of a sudden there were so many people that commented on it to say that they hoped everything was okay and that I was okay. I was absolutely fine. Well, actually, no, I wasn't. I'd been in hospital for migraine related reasons. So thank you to everybody. Thank you for continuing to support the podcast. It means the absolute world to me. Like I said, there'll be three mini episodes a week for the next couple of weeks until I think it was the 14th of May that I said. And thank you to Jazz, Rebecca from the Creepy Wee podcast, Kelly and Sean for sending in your stories. If you would like to send in your story, you can email it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you are desperate for extra content, you can subscribe to Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad free. And on that note, I shall see you next time. Rory and Kid here from the award-winning podcast, This Paranormal Life. Every week we investigate a paranormal story and decide if it's real or a hoax. Like the time a guy claimed he punched Bigfoot. Or when a UFO showed up at a football game in front of thousands of people. Each episode has sound effects, music, and storytelling that feels so real, you'll never sleep again. You will. Stop it. You're going to scare away new listeners. Check out This Paranormal Life every Tuesday, wherever you listen to your podcasts.